0: welcome to another episode of the back of the 135 podcast my name is cams and this podcast is brought to you by the west west network check out our website www.westwestnet.com and check out all of our podcasts on our network we're from a polynesian perspective we talk about pop culture sports and lifestyle we are also brought to you by spotify Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts And also Stitcher iHeartRadio And you can find all our podcasts On all those platforms So go to our website Check out our, our articles And links to our our shows So this week we dropped a couple of A few episodes this week Our podcast, the Channel 135 Episode 3 We had myself and Africa Scoop Girls, Sin and Rhea. We talked about episode 2 of season 1 of the TV show Dirty John. That's on Netflix at the moment. So we break down that episode on that podcast. Also dropped this week. NRL finals week is here, guys. And so eyes and the boys are back with another episode of the 135 footy show. Our podcast about NRL and rugby league. Check that latest episode out. The boys discussed first week of the NRL finals also out online is the 135 playlist with the hosts Sin and Linda they discuss the Peter Sentara song glory of love also the NBA finals are on it's the LA Lakers versus the Miami Heat so right now the score is uh, 2 to 1 so LA Lakers game 3 played today um, Miami won their first game so so myself and I, we jumped on the West West Sportscast podcast, so we previewed game one and we reviewed game one after we after watching the game, so check that episode out, and check out the Zealous State of Mind podcast, who's dropped, who just dropped this episode, check out this interview with Blackfair and Niall Williams. Alright, today, the back of the 135 podcast, I have my cousin come in. She's back from living with her husband and kids in Japan for the last 17 years uh, Over there teaching English and traveling the world So she got back a couple of months ago Her and her family back in New Zealand now to stay um, So yeah man, I had a chat with her about her experiences overseas living in Japan uh, We talked about Japanese culture and what, and what comparisons we had with our Pacific culture We talked about some mental health issues we talked about food her travels around the world it was a good catch up with the cousin i I found it really interesting and and i learned a lot of things from her so please give a warm welcome one of ryan daughters Brenna lambert man like you've you've been back in New Zealand now how long has it been since you you came off the plane
1: it has been about two months actually been here in New Zealand for two months yeah Yeah. but been in quarantine for two weeks oh yeah that was interesting and uh and then came straight out into the lockdown so
0: oh true so um where, where were you what hotel were you quarantined at
1: Uh, Initially, we were quarantined at the Novotel in Ellerslie. Uh, And then Maya had a cough and I had a sore throat, and we got shifted off to Jet Park three days later. Oh. In full PPE gear.
0: Oh, really? Yes. Oh, so what? Did you cough? And then they said, oh, put those people in PPE gear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Almost. But they, um, yeah, they said, okay, your daughter's got a cough. Um, You've got a sore throat, and it hasn't corrected itself in, I think it was 24 hours or 48 hours. And then they're like, okay, we have no choice but to send you off to Jet Park. And, of course, we just came back from Japan, so we didn't know what Jet Park was. So we're like, okay. So what Um, is Jet Park? Jet Park is the um, isolation facility where they send you if they think that you'll test positive for COVID-19. Or if you have tested positive for COVID-19, that's where you go. I
0: didn't know that. I didn't know there was another extra place when that happens.
1: Yeah. So that's
0: Uh, what they they, do. They they don't just lock you in your room. No. Oh, they take you to a new facility.
1: Yes. Because if you're high risk, that's where they take you. So we learned that quickly.
0: Oh, shucks.
2: So was was that
1: scary? It was kind of because we were like uh, told, yep, okay, here's your PPE gear and someone will come up and... Put you in the ppe gear and then take you down to where you're gonna go and we're just like okay where are we gonna go oh, shit. <laughs> yes and I, I i guess for me i was freaking out but the kids weren't freaking out and i didn't want to freak them out so i was oh, just like yeah we're gonna get in this ppe gear it's gonna be like we're, you know we're astronauts and we're going to the moon gosh, are you ready? Shit. but really yeah. mum's like oh my gosh oh my gosh
0: how do they know to, to take you guys to jetpack
1: i think it's just policy Um, If they hear a
0: cough, then you're going?
1: Not much. Well, they come around and they check you every morning. And then um, for us, it was every morning. And then in the evening, they would ask us. Because when we came through, like, Maya had a cough. And I had a sore throat the following day. So then, yeah, we were just considered high risk and shipped off to Jet Park.
0: So where's the... Facility is a secret. Or?
1: No, it's not. Like it's usually when we came out, it's usually on TV. <laughs>
0: um oh, okay. it's the one
1: in Manga. There, oh, okay. real close to the airport.
0: I was going to say, jet Park was in like an army base? You know.
1: Yeah, that's what it sounded like. I was like, oh, where are we going to some you know big warehouse, empty warehouse, and yeah. everyone's put in there. But no, it was good. It was fine. Like jet was fine. I think it was just we didn't know where we were going, and oh, okay. But once we got there, it was it was fine.
0: A lot of people at Jackpot? There other were. There,
1: there were a lot of people. There were a lot of families, actually.
0: Was there any d- difference staying at Jackpot?
1: Um, the food was better, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. The food was better. Um, No, it wasn't really any different. Uh, just we weren't allowed outside oh, okay. until, like, we were classified as red zone. So we weren't allowed outside of our zone, and we were only allowed Pretty much in our room, unless we had an escort to take us outside for like 45 minutes Mm. in the day. Um, And then once we tested, though, once we tested negative, we were changed to blue, which meant we were allowed in and out of the facility. Oh, okay. You know, and we got a key for our room so we could just do whatever we wanted. But, you know, when you know that you're in Jet Park, and that's a place where people who test positive go. Or sort are of high risk. Freaky. Yeah, you, you don't really want to go outside and mingle with people. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we would kind of wait, hang out, and until there was no one around, and then we'd go outside. So.
0: So um, they sort of. Um, everybody is separated anyway, so you won't, there's no chance of contacting your next door neighbour. Um. Anything like that.
1: There is. There is a, like a small chance, but oh, okay. if you're going outside. I um, mean, there, there are other families who are, like, classified as blue. Um, yeah, like our kids try to run and get a soccer ball that someone had kicked near us, and then oh. the minder was like, no, don't touch the ball. Oh, <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so we just let them come and get it themselves, yeah. and we stood two meters away from them. They got the ball and then left, and then we could keep playing sort of thing. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of, like, strict like that.
0: Did you come before the second lockdown or...?
1: No, we came... We got released from managed isolation into the lockdown that had just started that day. So, yeah. So, Mm. we just had two weeks quarantine and then straight down into the lockdown. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How how do you feel about the way they've handled it in New Zealand?
1: I think New Zealand have done awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, coming from Japan and seeing what's happening there. Yeah, it's good to be home. Just... In terms of how things have been handled and the contact tracing and the testing, mm. that just doesn't go on in Japan. So, oh, really? I mean, no, no, it doesn't. So it was just, you know, New Zealand was that far away, safe place that we could always go back to, mm. and and it is. Like, it's good to be home.
0: So how long have you been in Jap- living in Japan, uh, Brenna?
1: Gosh, when did I leave here? Yeah. Um, I think about 17 years, I think this is the 18th year I lived there, wow, so I wow. just come back.
0: So you must have been real good because they, they did just stay there for that
1: long. <laughs> well yeah, they didn't kick me out, so I must <laughs> have done something right.
0: I think over the 17 years, man, that's that's gone, I want to say it's gone fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, it doesn't feel that long ago, but yeah, I guess, yeah, when you say it out loud, it's like <laughs> it's almost 20, so... <laughs>
0: Because so I think I, I, finished, I finished uni, started working, that's when you left, that's about 17 years ago, 17, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably would have been. So I had only graduated university and then I had only worked, I think, for about a year and a half. I had applied for the JET program, the Japanese um, exchange and teaching program, and mm-hmm. then, yeah, I was gone.
0: Wow. Seventeen years. Has anyone else from New Zealand have done your stunt? You, you and your husband Greg.
1: Um, yeah, well, we've met lo- lots of people on the way. Like, um, so it is. It is really cool. But I don't think like that long. A lot of people come back after a few years. Like, our main idea was to go to Japan. That wasn't an English-speaking country, and mm. just a, it would be a challenge. Mm. And, um, yeah, everyone was kind of going to England and and doing that, their overseas experience over there. So we were just like, oh, we could do something different. So we did. We didn't expect to stay there for that long. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I wanted to ask you that. Like, was it like a year by year kind of thing? Oh, we'll stay another year. And the next minute, oh, oh my gosh, it's been 17 years.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. I think every year it was like, oh, we'll just stay like two or three more years. Yeah. And then the following year, it would just be the same and be the same. And then all of a sudden we were there and we had kids and it was, yes, 17 years later. And we're mm. like, oh, maybe we should go back. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's just kind of how it happened. And I mean, Greg, um, yeah, my husband is just kind of, he just, he thrives over there, I think, mm. um, in terms of being, being able to balance life and sport and family, really. And that, I guess that's why we stayed so long because the lifestyle balance just seemed better.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting because I found that too when I lived in when I lived in Samoa. It was a short time, but that there was no balance. There was like more more of the relaxing lifestyle than than the stress. Yes, yeah. Like it was funny because I was doing the same job and and my job was pretty stressful, but over there, doing the same job, but the stress is not there. Yes. So that will, that will make anyone want to stay, right? If, and if you've got that kind of stuff. compared yeah. to if you think about New Zealand, how we live here.
1: Yeah, it um, is. It is very, very stressful. I I think here and in in Japan, it was kind of like not just like family work balance, but kind of the food as well. Mm. Like like um, I think we just kind of looked at it as a whole. And that was better. Like Japan was better in terms of yeah, looking at life as a whole.
0: It's so cool because to, to to leave this place and go somewhere where you're not com- comfortable outside your box, eh? And like just just try, uh, uh, um, just try and integrate with their society and with a new society, with a new because man, they are like to me, Japanese society is way different to any anything in the Western <laughs> world, but sort of is mixed. Is yeah. it? Or, but they have their own culture. But to me, it's like kind of extreme.
1: Yeah, I think it is kind of like an extreme culture. Yeah, I guess you could look at it that way. But I think for us, it was quite easy to um, adjust to the Japanese culture because for me, it's like really like the samur culture. Like in oh, really? terms of yeah, respect for your elders and just like how everybody would go out of their way to help you. You know, like just just like islanders would. They would give you the shirt off their back. Even if it was their last shirt, Mm. they're going to give it to you because they know that, you know, you need it sort of thing. And I think Japanese people have that part of their culture is what attracted me to it and and what made me stay stay so long because it's just comfortable. You know, like any islanders, we just usually stay where we're comfortable. Mm. Did did you feel that straight away when you got there? Yeah, I did because... Pe- just the support and, and people would come and help you, even though they didn't know me. Like, they were just like, oh, yeah, okay, well, we've got this for you. And, you know, they they just would give you everything that they had. Mm. Yeah. So, so for me, that that's why it was easier to stay.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. So, you know, le- leading up to your trip to Japan the first time, you are starting to be a teacher?
1: Um. So when I left uh, and I went on the JET program, the Japan exchange teaching program, um, it was more for the money. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So it was a place to go that was different, uh, that provided a challenge, and then it was it was a way to pay off my student loan,
0: like, oh, yeah. really.
1: Yeah. That's what it was. And to be closer to the world, to be able to travel, because that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be able to travel as much as I could. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I guess that, that was just the lifestyle. That was good. The money was good. They paid you well. They treated you well. You could travel wherever you wanted. Japan's so much closer to the world than New Zealand. So mm. yeah, we and we did that. That's just kind of what we did. That was the lifestyle we wanted.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Because, you know, I think I believe like, um all kids when they're finished school need to have a travel bug in them. They need to travel. Yeah. Especially yeah. travel the world to see what it's like. I know that, that's sort of like a Bahangi thing, they got their OE, overseas mm. experience, and they look forward to having their OE, because it's in their culture, that's it's it's what they do, especially especially Kiwi, yes. the Kiwi culture, the, the overseas experience, Kiwi thing is a is a real thing. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing, because, you know, it helps you open your mind up, especially when you finish school and leave, you think, like, everything's, the whole world is at that school. That's right. But when you get out of there, and you see you're in the real world, go find more of that real world, Yeah. You know? Drop on a plane and take off Come back in a, in a year or two For our specific unders I think Especially ones living in, in New Zealand Like I think it's a must eh? I yeah. think it's It's something we haven't really adopted Yeah I think because you know Our parents They came from Samoa So it's like Oh That's it We do our best here Yeah Sort of thing So our kids But If you have something to look forward to Like an OE I think that's a real or, It'll be a real Real thing Especially for us Yeah no. For our kids and stuff
1: yeah, exactly. Because get,
0: cause I think there's a lot of problems coming out of no problems. But I think if, if you're a kid growing up at school, when you're thinking, "What's next? Get a job, go work," and then just the straightforward sort of thing, not experiencing.
1: Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that because I do think when we are in our little like world, that's all we think it is. So we're not extended to anything else because we're too busy worried about just exactly what's happening here what's happening now not looking to other things or other avenues that maybe could open up for us so yeah I do agree with you that overseas experience should be something that all Pacific Islanders do because it does open your mind to seeing things a different way not Mm. just seeing things like within your world but seeing things outside of your world and then your perspective from the outside like I think it's really important to, yeah to develop especially for growth like personal yeah, growth
0: yeah as well I, was, I think I was stuck in that when I was at school yeah and i didn't it didn't open my eyes until I left school and went and I went to uni just that little transition yes. from high school to uni just opened my eyes a little bit you know and I thought oh, fuck. you know there's, there's a whole new world out there and why wasn't I thinking that before you know
1: yeah exactly and that's I think that is <laughs> Just the cool thing, that progression from, yeah, you know, and I think it is a natural progression. Like, you know, you're in primary school and then you have all your little mates there and then, you know, you head off to intermediate and you've got like more mates, other kids from primary schools come together and then to high school all the intermediate kids coming together. And then that jump from, you know, being in that safety bubble of your high school and the mates that you knew and grew up with going to university and challenging yourself. And it does, it does open up so many other avenues for you. Yeah. And then just that jump to go overseas. Yeah. Like it's just even bigger.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, that's right. and it
1: is like, it is just, it should feel like a natural progression that, that you know you go through. So yeah, yeah I mm. think it is definitely important.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and that's why I like, uh, my about you, Brendan, like how uh, you done that, you went through that progression, you went from high school to uni to the ultimate one going overseas having that overseas experience, which I think, you know, I think every kid should look forward to. Every kid should, I think that should be the pathway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Like, and that's, you know, having kids, that's what you want for your kids, right? You want them to have that natural progression to that place. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and you want them to discover it for themselves. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if we can provide them with that opportunity, like, you know, why not?
0: Especially our mm-hmm. Pacific Island kids. Yes. Try to get that um, culture um, into us, eh, to do that, to look forward to something.
1: Well, I think the other thing too is um, leaving your own culture and challenging yourself actually makes you appreciate your culture more Mm. and recognize within other cultures the goodness of yours. Yeah, so for me that was probably the main reason I stayed away so long because I could see how much good I had Mm. Yeah, and probably the main reason I've come back.
0: And it's interesting you said, like, you saw the similarities between our culture and the Japanese culture with the, you know, with the, yeah. the kindness, because we're kind people. Yeah. And stuff like
1: that. Yeah, you know? I just, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I saw. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my Japanese homestay mum, she would just do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just, just like our, like our Pacific mums do for us. It's yeah. just the same concept. Yeah,
0: Yeah, yeah. man. I, I, You know, what, I had a chance to go overseas, but I didn't take it. And uh, that's one of my regrets, but I nah, can't dwell on the past, you know, gotta yeah, keep, keep yeah. going. But doesn't no, mean it's... that
1: you won't have the opportunity again. And then, you know, you, you take it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, nah, that's nah, it's good, man. Like um, 17 years. Wow. That's, uh... So over there, we, you, were, you were just, you were at a school, you were teaching at a school?
1: Yeah, I was teaching um, at a high school uh, and I was teaching international communication. So pretty much just uh, teaching English and teaching about my culture Um, and then I guess kind of preparing. A lot of my students would come here for um, international exchange or, you know, Korea is probably the closest one that they'd go to or China. Um, So just kind of preparing them um, for a different culture because actually Japanese society is quite uh, it's a monocultural society. Um, so what does that mean? that it just means that it's only their culture. They oh, yeah. they really only know about their culture. They don't know a whole lot about others, like maybe superficially, but not um, in terms of being able to go somewhere and survive. Like, yeah, so, um, yeah, they're a very um, a, a patriotic country, I guess. Mm-hmm. But every, like, their rules... With their rules, and they don't. I think they have less than one percent. Like maybe people from outside of Japan, like the international expat population, is probably maybe two percent. I'm not sure. I might, might have to check. But already, oh, yeah, it's a monocultural society. Like,
0: so it's not encouraged for them to go out, go overseas.
1: I guess there are programs, and it is encouraged for them. But I, these are things that I've only seen recently, and I've been there for about for seventeen years. Uh, when I first went. Um, It wasn't unheard of Like there are lots of homestay programs But it was more like the program I was on The JET program The Japanese government bringing in foreigners Or, you know, that they thought were okay to come into the country You know, kind of blocking them from from everything else that was out there Yeah, yeah. because
0: being a a monocultural society And also bringing foreigners in to teach them Yes Like No, they just pick and choose which other cultures they want.
1: Yeah, that's kind of of where it was at when I first went in. Mm -hmm. That's how I saw it. I was like, wow, they've got this amazing program, but they are just kind of picking and choosing who they want to come into their country and who they want to influence the people inside their country sort of thing. So, um, yeah, even for us um, being on the JET program, you had to be university qualified and you had to have at least a degree so for me, they were just kind of picking and choosing like the good people they thought would represent the international community well. So I think they kind of had a bit of a filter there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, actually, uh, Greg and I had a homestay program where we just brought whoever wanted to come to New Zealand wow. and see the real New Zealand, you know, like because they, they do kind of have these blinders on in a sense that they haven't seen a lot of the real world so i remember it,
0: when um that the, you bring those kids up yes um yes. i don't know what year it was but when you guys came back for holiday you, yeah you bring the kids was, yeah. it, was it during christmas i don't remember
1: yeah, yeah it would usually be christmas and yeah. um greek recently started bringing them home like in march he was bringing university students um yeah so it is it's just kind of just letting them see like the real new zealand the real world like without a filter, like that's kind of the reason why we started the, the homestay program and why he continues to do it. Like,
0: oh, okay. So like, how yeah. how big has that grown now? Um, it's,
1: well with COVID, it kind of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it stopped. So um, yeah, yeah well, he's well, he still continues to do that and bring students yeah. over and yeah, does a farm stay and then has a homestay here in Auckland and yeah, it's it's for me it's like valuable for them to be able to see something without a filter. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
0: It's interesting that, um, that program you guys went on that pick and choose because did they identify you guys as Kiwis? Uh,
1: yes. Yeah, so we were like, um, they do have a New Zealand contingent. So we have to apply. And I think, goodness, I think we applied in December and they, you don't find out if you're actually going until I think it's like May or June. Mm-hmm. Um, But you have to, like, jump through so many hoops just to get on the program. Um, Yeah, they do an interview. You know, they ask you to do, like, certain things. Yeah, it's... I don't think it was as rigorous as, like, a lot of our friends who are Americans who came on the American Contingent Jet Program. They said they had to jump through so many hoops and they had to do tests and things like that. So for me... From the outside looking in, I was like, wow, the Japanese government is just kind of choosing who they want to come into their country and influence their kids, which is totally cool. But I was just like, wow, you're not really allowing for anything else. Like, uh, I just thought it was kind of a, a bad filter in terms of, I understand what they're trying to do, but I was just like, well, you know, all kinds of people live in the world and you, you should be showing that as well.
0: I think baby steps comes to mind of the Japanese government at that time, but yeah. So what what was the process there? Like, what what were they trying? To, what was their goal?
1: I think their goal was just to um, present uh, foreigners in a specific light, because um, for us it was advertised as like a cultural exchange. But when you actually get there, all they want you to do is teach English. Like,
0: Oh, okay,
1: yeah. So they're kind of, I think that's kind of why they're looking at um, academically, where are you at? Uh, What can you offer, like being in the classroom and teaching English? But for us, it was offered as a cultural exchange program. So that's what attracted us to it. You get over there, you're kind of thrown into a school and then they're like, teach. (laughs) You know, and like when we went, we didn't speak any Japanese. So we're going in there thinking, oh, cool, this is going to be this really cool cultural exchange. And then. All these rules get put on you, and you have to do this. And we just want you to do this. Like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't wear your hair like that. Yeah, it's. It was. Yeah, it was. It was an eye opener.
0: Because you know, when it comes to the language, Japan, from what I've heard of the years, like, is the place. If you want to teach English, that's the place to go. Yeah,
1: the. Yeah. yeah, I. I would say so. I. Cause they're, I re- be-
0: they're really strong, and they want to teach their. Children, their people, English.
1: Yes. Yeah. As opposed
0: to when you go to France, they don't want to know English. They just want to speak French. Yeah. So I'm trying to get at like being a monoculture. Are they somehow figured out that we need to understand the Western world, uh, speak their language more?
1: I think they do understand that, but because it's a monocultural society, um, sometimes there's no reason for them to speak English, and that's like they, they usually have the knowledge. That's the thing. They can they study for days like there's they they're just robots. like they can just absorb um information and you know spit out information, but they can't speak the language because inside Japan, there really isn't any reason to, because everybody speaks Japanese, right? And it took me a while to figure this out. <laughs> like having lived there so long, I'm like, why are they not speaking English? but but it was because there weren't really any jobs or there wasn't really an industry where they would have to because everybody, they knew everybody could speak Japanese, so they were just, it was easier to speak Japanese, yeah.
0: So what is that sense of them, to speak English over there, for them? Is it to, make, is it to go out and start something overseas? And...
1: Yeah, I guess it's more for working for an international company, oh, okay. if you yeah. like, within Japan, yeah. or working for a Japanese company and being, like, kind of um, shipped off to another country. So I also did that kind of work after I did the JET program, Uh, working in companies and preparing them for overseas travel and uh, teaching them English that they would need overseas. So um, I worked for a plastics company, actually, and a lot of their sister company was in England. So then, specifically, I had to teach British English because that's what they would be used to. And it was funny because in my high school... They they spoke American English, so I had to put on my best American accent. And really? I, would, I would teach English with my American accent. And it wasn't until Greg's brother came, and he stayed with us, and he came to school with me one day. And I introduced myself, and I introduced him in my fake American accent. And he's, like, looking at me, like, open mouth. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Can you give me a little example of your American accent? Oh, Am my American accent. Good morning everyone. So today we're gonna learn about contractions. Does anyone here know what contractions are?
0: <laughs> you know yeah. Japanese are real pedantic about learning, eh? Yes. So yeah. If you're gonna if you wanna teach American English, hey you gotta speak yeah. an American you accent, do it. man. You gotta do it. <laughs>
1: and yeah, I I guess I didn't really realize I was doing it until he came to class with me that day and he just was like, What are you doing? I was yeah. like, Oh yeah, I'm teaching American English.
0: That's crackle. And, and I, I guess you got to teach them the slang as well. Like if a British accent, we're going England, we're going Scottish, we go going Ireland.
1: I, d- I, did it, I couldn't <laughs> even do it. Like I was just like, okay, I just found all this stuff online and I was like, okay, let's listen to this. Let's do these exercises. And I would just hit play and then they would do that, yeah. my my Yeah, my British English accent isn't very good.
0: That's crackle. It's fun. I was just thinking about like how um, you know being a, a monocultural society again, is it hard for them for students to finish school and go overseas to do an O.E. Because I guess I guess you, you bump into Japanese people overseas anyway, living in different countries overseas. I'm interested in why why they chose to live outside Japan, and uh, you know what I mean. Like, if is there a sort of like idea in Japan where kids want to leave and go live in America or live in New Zealand or live. In Europe.
1: I think now there is. Or is yeah. the
0: culture so strong that they don't want that?
1: I think when we in, when I initially went over there, yeah, I felt like um, the culture was so strong that everyone just kind of took their place. Like um, they kind of knew that, you know, if they weren't super smart or anything, they were going to work at the supermarket or at the gas station, the local gas station forever and ever. and Or they were going to run their, their families, you know, Business that that's just the way it went, sort of thing. So like I think they are in some ways, they accept that that's what will happen. Whereas I think for us, we're kind of what's instilled in us is that you know if there's an opportunity, take it. Or you know you, you we're always encouraged to kind of reach for the stars, you know, sort of thing. Like that's what we're encouraged encouraged to do. But they're kind of encouraged to. Know their place, um, recognize that there's there is a hierarchy, and um, yeah, I I must admit that when I first initially went over, there was a lot of complacency. Like people were just kind of complacent. They were just like, okay, well this is this is my lot in life, and this is what I take. You know, like my dad's a farmer, and I take over his business, and that's just the way it goes. Like you know, there's no real um, fight for. No, I don't do that. I want to to be a real estate agent. Or like, I don't want to do that. No, I want to start a business and go overseas. It was just kind of, that's what you had to do. So that's what you did. So that was when I initially went over to Japan 17 years ago. I think now it's definitely changing um, with the world now being so small and the internet and, you know, everybody wanting to know what everybody else is doing, that there are probably way more Japanese people now coming out of Japan and seeing that there is a better life for them outside. Um, I must admit, my homestay brother is probably a perfect example. He was never one to fit into the Japanese society. And you could tell that from the get-go. Like, I've known this kid since he was maybe 15. Yeah. And you could tell just from from his mannerisms, from the way he was, that he was not going to fit. Like, you know, um, square peg, round hole, wasn't going to work. And he did, like we, uh, I remember Greg encouraging him, you know, you should go overseas or you should do this or you should do that sort of thing. And he did, like he went overseas, he went to Australia and he loved it. Like he could be himself and not have to fit into this, you know, perfect world that he was supposed to fit into in japan Mm -hmm. and he could be himself like he dyed his hair red and he just he loves rock music and he could just be him whereas in japan in the small town that he lived in he had to be that particular person Mm -hmm. you know and 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 for me him leaving and going out was the best thing for him he lives here now actually he lives here in new zealand yeah
0: because when you think about the um about the cities, Tokyo. See it, you see it on TV and stuff. The kids there adopted the Western world a lot, yeah. especially the um, the pop culture stuff, that yeah. stuff like what do you call it when you dress up in the character?
1: Oh, cosplay. Cosplay. Yeah, and it's Harajuku bit... girls they love to. Yeah, yeah,
0: It's bigger there. Huh?
1: Yes, it is very big, but I think um, what people may not see is that they do dress up like that, but still inside they are still. <laughs> That same oh, okay. kind of Japanese person, like yeah. it's kind of the outside. Mm. So yeah, but but I yeah, it is more accepted, I think that that, that that's a norm and that's okay. Um, where we were we were, we were pretty much um, in a smaller town, um, so I guess that's why things were that way. Yeah. but yeah, I think in in Tokyo and Osaka, those kind of places, yeah, you could get away with you know mixing in with everyone. So
0: how, how different was it living in your rural small town compared to the the cities? Was it more traditional, more real? Yes. More more, more cultified than the cities?
1: Yeah. I I would say it is. Like it's um very it was like going back in time for me. It was like going back fifty years. Like just everything was that way. And I think our society was like that once upon a time. Sort of, you know, your dad is a farmer, you're going to be a farmer sort of thing like that's just how things were set out okay you know your dad does this so you're going to take over this business or your mum is you know, doing this so you know she works here and then you're going to work take over her job after her it, it very much was like that in the countryside and they still had that same kind of mentality that you know that that's that's what I had to do that's what I have to do that's what my mum and dad want me to do so I should do it sort of thing So yeah, it was kind of like, in terms of traditional values, it was cool to see that those traditional values had, um, had been, they held strong on to those traditional values and those beliefs and they still believed in them and they lived that way. So yeah, it was cool.
0: Did you spend all that time, 17 years in the rural town or were you in the the cities as well?
1: No, I think that's the other reason why we stayed so long, um, because we did live in a rural town and, um... It wasn't too much different to here, maybe in terms of size. Maybe it was bigger over there, but um, just, yeah, you still had your mum doing the cooking and, you know, probably working part-time, but you still had the dad who was working most of the time and the kids at home. And, yeah, you still had that, like it was for us, I guess, growing up, mm-hmm. you know, that that's just the way life was. You know, that's that was the nuclear family and that's how it worked. But... Oh. Uh, nowadays yeah 17 years later it is it is changing lots more blended families and yeah lots lots of women who have been empowered in terms of you know Japanese women um, being empowered and doing what they what they feel is right and not being held down by the man you know sort of thing so I must admit like it it was cool seeing that happen living yeah yeah seeing it pretty much (laughs) seeing it happen again just in a different country so yeah it was cool but
0: they're happy, eh? I mean, because that's the only way. Is that because the only way they know how to do it?
1: Um, yeah, I think there's no
0: PC coming down there. Eh?
1: No, yeah, there's not. <laughs> it's it's funny, yeah. Uh, their traditions, yeah. Uh, are their traditions? I guess. But um, I must admit, the mental health a- aspect of the Japanese society was uh, quite alarming, even coming from someone who's coming from New Zealand. In New Zealand, we. You know we have a big problem with suicide as well. Um, but just the knowledge people had in terms of where to go if if you wanted to die or, or where to go if you had had enough, or what you could do. like, I think there was there was a suicide bridge, it was called the suicide bridge um in the rural area where we lived. and you could go there and it was to, I was told that the reason why it was called the suicide bridge was because it was high enough that you would pass out before you hit the bottom. And that's why they called it the suicide bridge and that's why people would jump from there because of that information. And for me, that it, that was just so shocking that, that, that there was like some science behind it and they had done the research behind it to know that if they had had enough, they could just go to this bridge and jump off and know that they'd pass out before they hit the bottom. It goes across, um, where we lived, uh, there, were, there was the largest, one of the largest um, volcanic calderas in the world. Mm. So this bridge was built across where this caldera went down and in. Um, so pretty much, yeah, I don't remember how high it was, but the bridge was painted red, and everybody knew it was a suicide bridge, and everybody knew it was common knowledge to everyone. That, that you, you would pass out before you hit the bottom. So, if you had had enough, that was your bridge. There's no barrier on the bridge or anything? There is a barrier, but actually, Japanese people aren't that big on barriers. Yeah, not really. So, yeah, you could easily get over it, stop your car over there, and jump off.
0: It reminds me of, it must be really high then if you were to yep. pass out and if they did the studies.
1: Yeah, that will, they. I, that,
0: imagine if it wasn't true. There's something to get people over the fact that uh, I wouldn't feel the pain.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But it was just a story to get you to do it.
1: Yeah, but I mean, they, they have... They, <laughs> Man, they, that's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> they have suicide forests. They have They have lots of, you know... That's that the big one that stuff. came out
0: on social media, the suicide forest. That, yeah. That guy, that internet guy went over and saw that person hanging and yeah. took photos of it and got, he got in trouble for it, though.
1: No? Yeah, because I guess it is... I guess it is culturally kind of accepted there that that is an option um that is an option for them uh it's okay that that for them is an option and going into that forest with nothing and never coming back out is, is something that's okay but not but throwing yourself in front of the train is not because
0: you can upset the train Joe.
1: Yeah. Because well,
0: that's really like their culture. Huh? Like they don't want to disrespect anyone around. That's you. right. They don't like if you want to do something bad, do it to yourself.
1: The wow, which exactly. is like a, yeah. a bubble around you and everyone has their own. So you don't want to disturb that. Um But for the, the train thing, people get charged now. The family, whoever throws themselves in front of the train, gets charged. So they like um, they'll charge them however much the cleanup job was, or how the train was line was disrupted. All of those things go on to the family of the person who threw themselves in front of the train. Mm. So yeah, they I guess they've had to do that because yeah, in the seventeen years I was there, yeah, there were yeah there were a few I do remember like the train would be delayed for some unknown reason, and then people would say, oh maybe someone just threw themselves. Off the, the other train station,
0: This uh, acceptance and you know normality to do that mm. to commit suicide in Japan. Like when when I think about it, I think about those old those old World War Two movies. Yeah, the Japanese they'll they'll stab themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because it's like an honor. I think. Yes, yes. Like it, it's a shame to lose. That's so, right. And it goes. It probably goes all the way back to the samurai A Z.
1: Yes, it does. It's I think that's that's where it comes from because they are a traditional society and they do still think about those things like so it has just modernized from that as you say like what the samurai used to do to um kill themselves mm. uh, yeah and, and that's what's happened like suicide forest suicide bridge um yeah you take take your life peacefully and 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 it's okay
0: have you heard the story about the um ronin He's like a he's like a samurai. that. The story oh, is he, he killed all his enemies. And because there was no one left to fight, he killed himself. Because it was an honorable thing to do because he beat everyone. Yeah. And there's no, he's, he's got no useful skills anymore. And then yeah. that's like an old story,
1: old samurai story. And like, yeah. That's deep, eh? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it was definitely eye-opening um, when I first went there. And, yeah, people would just have so much, <coughs> you know, like the suicide bridge information. Like, just, it was kind of like, as a matter of fact, kind of, yeah, if you wanted to, yeah, there's this place, or you could go here, sort of thing, like, yeah, they just knew that stuff, and I thought it was weird, but they didn't think it was, like, it was just kind of common knowledge.
0: You know, when I also think about, over here in New Zealand, there's a... Suicide problem here too, with, especially with the um, the Polynesian kids. Yeah. Oh, it's a big... When I think about, you're talking about the Japanese culture, how it's like a h- hierarchy and the way they live and it's expected. You got to be where you are, where you are. Yeah. And you got to stick to that. That's sort of like um, our culture too, with living in the village and, and you got the um, hierarchy there. What I'm trying to get at is like, what that create that expectation for you to live up to would be so much so much pressure that will cause you to like someday lead you to suicide. Lead you to yeah. the I think there must be a similarity there. Whereas yeah. Japan is really extreme. And plus they've got their culture we talked about with the samurai and all that. Over over generations, huh? like it's deep. So it's accepted more.
1: Yeah.
2: What
0: well, what does the um the, the government there doesn't do anything about they have incentives to they don't have like over here it's hard out. We've got um suicide um prevention, we've got places you can call. Yeah. It was I think it was mental health week last week. And, yep. you know, it's talked about, you see it on social media. Um, a lot of a lot of survivors are coming out talking about mental health. It's it's out there to try to stop it.
1: Yeah, that's right. And Is that the same in Japan? No, I think in Japan it's more, um, I think there is Lifeline and there are places that you can call if you need help, but I don't think it's advertised the same way. Um, it is still, I think I've said this a million times, but like going back 50 years, it's kind of an embarrassment to feel that way and you have to kind of keep it inside. That's kind of what I picked, picked up from people. It was like just something that wasn't really talked about. Yeah. Um, you didn't really talk about those feelings. Um, people could see you suffering and try and help you, but that may have not, may not have been the help that you needed, but the, yeah, for me, it's not really advertised the same way as it is here for us mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they are under so much pressure in terms of working hard and, you know, trying to keep everything going, and then uh, reaching that point that they they don't they don't seem to have the same support networks that we do. So um, yeah, even talking to my friends about feeling down or or um, you know how they would handle certain things was not always accepted. Because it was kind of something that you were supposed to, like, you couldn't overstep that mark sort of thing. Like, their mental health is, I think, for me, um, from the outside looking in, is something that they really don't have a good hold on. Um, and I guess that's why those places like the the Suicide Bridge and the Suicide Forest are accepted. Mm-hmm. Because they, it is kind of, for me, like something that... They're supposed to handle themselves but you know we can't and and I mean we know that we can't but they're they're reluctant to reach out or reluctant to I guess appear are uh, vulnerable mm-hmm. for me that's what it is they, they don't want to appear vulnerable and like I said with the hierarchy in terms of where they're supposed to be and 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 what they're supposed to have sort of thing yeah there's that pressure there as well mm-hmm. and um yeah, I, I I think um coming to the other part, what you had said before about our culture and their culture being similar, I, I do feel like our cultures are very, very similar. Um, in terms of yeah, we have expectations and we have to live up to those expectations and we do do feel that pressure, right? So yeah, I, I, I do feel like our, our culture is is very similar. It's out of there. It is like um when I think there were some anthropologists who said that we came from the east, that we did migrate from Asia. Yes. I I, having lived there for seventeen years, I totally believe it. Like just in terms of the language too, like the sounds of the Japanese language and the sounds of our language. Um, yeah, similarities in the culture, the hierarchies. Um, it just reminds me of, you know, the days when mum and dad used to tell us about stuff and, oh, I had to, you know, walk for 50 miles, you know, like to do this or to do that. And I had to do the, this for this person or that for that person. It, it just reminded me of that, like living there and seeing and, you know, speaking with a lot of the, the older folks in Japan, like because they had those kind of stories. And, yeah, it just yeah, totally reminded me of of our our culture. In the Pacific.
0: It seems like there needs to be a big cultural change over there. Like, cause it seems like it's part of the culture, the, the honor thing. Yes. To yes. live up to it. That's, if you take that away, you're taking probably 50% <laughs> yeah. or a big chunk of their, yeah. their culture away. And, th- and that's a hard thing to do, I imagine. Over here, mm-hmm. like, you know, when I said about there's big campaigns about trying to stop suicide, mm-hmm. trying to get people to talk more.
2: Right.
0: Well, now we've recognized when people are depressed and we and, and the next person says, oh, harden up, man. Don't worry about all that stuff hard enough. We recognize now that that's not the way to go. Right. And you got to talk about your problems, talk, be more open yes. and try to try get through that. In Japan, that's sort of like saying, hey, you can't, they honor stuff back in the days. That's not true anymore.
1: Yeah, pretty <laughs> that's much. That's pretty much through yeah, that to that, them. That's, and that, that's why I guess it is, is such a hard thing that to change for them. It would be such a hard thing to change because it is so ingrained in their culture that honour and that knowing your place and knowing the hierarchy and, yeah, mm. knowing if you're not meeting that standard that that's what you do.
2: You
0: know, if if a kid comes in does the family accept it because of the culture?
1: Yeah, I think they would still have, like, conflicting emotions, mm. but they're just not, um, not as quick to acknowledge that, you know, that it's conflicting, but they would go back to the honour and be like, well, we have to do it this way because it's just the way it's done sort of thing even if they had conflicting emotions about it mm. maybe they wouldn't bring it to the forefront they would they would just let it simmer and that's kind of well what i've experienced happens like they just kind of um accept it like, mm.
0: man that's so interesting eh?
1: yeah yeah it is
0: i mean and so um sad and eerie as well yeah having those is. like names Suicide Bridge
1: Yeah Suicide, suicide forest. forest
0: And everybody knows about Far. it Everyone yes. knows about it and, Oh yeah, yeah The Suicide Forest Yeah And next we have The museum you know?
1: Yeah it's pretty much yeah. <laughs> on The next stop on our tour <laughs> Don't mind the clothes That have just been Left over there Somebody's just Gone for a walk In the Suicide Forest And not, decided not to come back So Yeah It is real It is a real place And Okay you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Just it's killed bit, that one Sorry It's a
0: bit uh, The mood just Yeah It's a bit down. dark <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was too dark uh, what else
0: what else have i done um yeah i don't want to touch about um so where have you been around the world because you said earlier that um it's a good jump off place japan yeah to go is. around the world is it is. because of the prices or the
1: uh, yeah it is uh, the yeah just i guess location 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 um japan is pretty much right in the middle of the world um so we're yeah We've been able to travel to lots of places. I've been able to, yeah, I travel to Europe and I think I'm up to about, goodness, how many countries now? 39 or 40. Like it, it's just the place to be able to travel from. And it, like I said, um, it was the lifestyle that drew us mm. to there, uh, being able to work. And then, you know, Kiwis, we work hard, we play hard. So holidays would come up and we wouldn't stay in Japan, we'd be out, we'd just, okay. Let's go to Turkey. Yep, okay, we're, what else is close to Turkey? Oh, yeah. okay, yep, let's go around there. You know, that's, that's just was our thought process, mm-hmm. try and get in as much as we could, um, as many countries as we could. And, yeah, that's just kind of what we did. We just, um, you know, when you're out there and you're experiencing something new, you always think it does just open the world up that little bit more to other things. I guess, yeah, just that analogy of, coming from primary school (laughs) to intermediate mid-new people, intermediate to high school, high school to university, you know, Mm. it just opens and opens and opens and it keeps opening. And that's just kind of what happened. We just, yeah, we just kept traveling. Um, Yeah, I guess South America probably would have been the most eye-opening in terms of everybody thought I was... um, greg and his brother (laughs) they thought that i was just i was just the the girl to hold the bag (laughs)
2: um
1: so we were traveling through peru and everybody would come to me they would never look at them they would look at me speak hard out spanish ask me you know like probably they were vendors so they were probably trying to get me to sell them something or get them to buy something from the store and i'm just like (laughs) <laughs> I'm with them, like <laughs> traveling with them. Like, that was the only thing I remember learning um, in Spanish was lo siento, no hablo español." Like I don't speak Spanish. That was the only. I'm sorry, I don't speak Spanish. So only oh, thing okay. I remember. Is that what I meant? Yeah, that's this what I meant. you just speak Spanish to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Should have done it with a tear wax thing. It's like saying, "Oh, I don't speak English." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's oh my goodness. That's for all my. That's what all my students could say perfectly. I don't speak English. It's just like you just did.
0: Mm. So were these holiday trips like, um, how long were they each? Uh,
1: usually uh, we did South America in a month, I think. Oh, yeah. But we only went... So it's good amount of
2: time. Yeah.
1: yeah so it, w- it would usually be during the um, holiday breaks. So they have a, a summer break from about mid-July to the end of August. Mm. So we'd usually plan like a good chunk for their... And then the winter break, which we would usually come back here, come home, um summer here, winter there, so that would usually be three weeks. We could usually stretch it out a bit. Mm. So yeah, yeah.
0: I was following you guys' photos, especially on Greek's page. So oh, you're yes. hardly on. You're on Facebook. Yeah?
1: No, me no. and Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, there's
0: a lot of amazing stuff on there, a lot of amazing photos. Man, you guys got, like, 100 gigabytes of photos photos around the world. That's really cool. Yeah.
1: No, travel was, like, one of the reasons we we went out Mm. of New Zealand and not just to, you know, work and live in Japan, but to be able to see as much of the world as we could. And I think when we had kids, we thought it was going to stop. You know, you just kind of have this... Thing in your mind, yeah. That oh, great, we've got kids now. We can't go anywhere, but we didn't. We we just kept going. We just took them with us.
0: I see. You guys are doing some intrepid journeys as well.
1: Yeah, we yeah
0: off the, the beaten track. Yes,
1: yeah. That's probably the best way to mm. do things. I mean, it's cool to go to the, you know, main places and go to the sites, but. I would always – yeah, I'd be reading, forever reading other people's travel blogs and thinking, oh, we could save some money by going up that hill yeah. <laughs> and catching that local bus and going around the long way and would still get to the same place, you know, and, and have an adventure on the way. So yeah. for me, travel doesn't have to be about the money. Like you, if you, you know, research enough, you can find a way around it. And, yeah, so for me that that's the best thing about traveling that I loved – going a different way to everybody else
0: yeah yeah that, that's cool things about travel especially when you travel by yourself because yep. you're in control of when you go see what you want to see sometimes when you have someone you can drag them along sort of. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah, don't, don't, let's not talk about the, the fights we've had on travels <laughs> but,
1: that's, I, but that's, I must admit um traveling with kids was much easier than i thought mm-hmm. and people are just so kind and courteous to you because you do have a baby or you have three of them um yeah. So they would be like, Oh, you can go go ahead of us, it's okay or I oh, remember yeah. we were in India and we we're standing in the longest line to get through immigration and the guy at the front just saw me with a baby attached to me and a you know, a little one on the on my arm and he just waved me out and he said, Come and I just walked past all these people giving me the evils yeah. and they're like, Come on, come through and I just could just go straight through. So for me, that's cool. Like, that's just something that's universal. People just seem to be yeah. cool with you traveling, like, with kids. Did The lady
0: giving you the evils, Did she have a baby too? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> yeah, she did know. But everyone was just standing in the line waiting to go, and he just, like, waved out. So I was just like, yay, yeah, thank you.
0: So you've pretty much been every continent then, no? Um, was that? Is that
1: Africa. Oh, something we to, to- tick off the list? Yeah. You and, just tick all the Africa. consonants off? <laughs> <laughs> no, are we... Yeah, I guess we have, really.
0: India, what was that like? Did you go to the slums and it?
1: have a look? We did. We kind of like to stay in places like that. We don't like just to visit and stay in a hotel. We usually try and do, yeah, yeah.
0: like, but live. That's my idea for when I go overseas, yeah. like, not to stay in the places where the tourists go. No, yeah. yeah you want to go see the real... Yes, the real places.
1: Yeah, the yeah. real dirty places that you would see anyway. Mm. Like so, um,
0: yeah. Any, any Delhi Belly?
1: We did like straight off. Man, everybody the bat. gets it.
0: That's uh, why this uh, is a thing because um, everybody gets it. I think.
1: I don't know. Actually, no, it wasn't straight away because we initially stayed um, in Jaipur because we were there for the holy festival. Mm. You know that, um, and then when we stayed there, it was fine. I even ate food like from the markets and this dude was like crouched down peeling potatoes with no shoes on you know like greg was like oh you can eat that food i'm like yeah <laughs> why would i not you know oh, i'm an, in i'm in india i mean i did not get sick from any of that food oh. we went to mcdonald's also from there. yeah from i think it was from the mayonnaise because it was hot like and i was like well, mayonnaise isn't supposed to be hot <laughs> But it was in the burger and sure enough after that we were we were sick so yeah,
0: sure. there's listen guys go to the markets yep yeah. the dude markets, with no food. shoes
1: on crouched down peeling the potatoes yeah serves the best food
0: yeah it's, it's funny because when i was in hawaii in um in chinatown because they the chinatown there and man there's no uh you'd think there's no like a for hygiene there's no A anyway. I think it's like Z. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like the animals that they're like, yeah. alive. Yeah, I, I, I thought we're in the I we're in the states I thought that you would see this in like Indo. But Channel you're in and...
1: Chinatown. That's different. Yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. No. exactly. Ch- China. Um, yeah, we we've been <laughs> to China a few times too. So um, yeah, that's just kind of normal there. Like the yeah. You you want to eat fresh. <laughs> that, that's how it works. Did you try those, like, insects? No, I, I, yeah, I couldn't really do it. Are you bad type of to try new foods? Not insects and not, like, grubs or anything. But, oh, yeah. Like, I did, we did do, like, the frog's legs and... Oh, yeah? What was yeah. that like? Just tasted like frogs. <laughs> Just <laughs> tasted like I was eating a frog. And we ate, I ate frog in um, Vietnam. We went to Vietnam oh, okay. and that's, like, a delicacy there. Mm. So there's this frog just sitting there, like like full frog, mm. I and mean, then you just, like, eat it.
0: Oh. So <laughs> yeah, because well, I thought
1: it would be cut up, so it looked like, you know, it was part of the meal or something. Sort of no, but it was like a whole frog sitting oh, so on top of the rice. To,
2: you
0: just have to keep eating. Yeah. Eat the meat. Well,
1: people were just kind of chewing it, and then, <clears throat> you know, the legs kind of still stay intact. Mm. Yeah. It was interesting. It tasted, I guess... What a frog would taste like. Everyone told me it would taste like chicken. <laughs> oh, yeah, taste yeah. like chicken
2: because
1: it looked the, like a frog. The
0: most exotic animal I've eaten is, uh, is bat.
1: Um, oh, where'd you eat bat?
0: In Samoa. Um, mm, oh, wow. It was barbecued.
1: Barbecued bat. It's
0: nice. It tastes like, um, to me, the texture is like duck. Oh, okay. It tastes a little bit like chicken. It's a mixture between chicken and meat. yeah Yeah.
1: Wow. Well, interesting mm. what did they put on it though like bat just barbecued and just barbecued. some kind of sauce or
0: no just straight
1: did it have like fur on it
0: no they they took it all off so you just strip it down yeah you just cut off the wings strip the fur off cut the head off and just get the meat and the body and just oh, okay. chop it up and put it in the barbecue yeah
1: <laughs> that's interesting yeah i thought my frog story was bad no <laughs> That. that's nice how about any bugs have you tried any bugs
0: uh, nah. Nah.
1: Yeah,
0: I can't do bugs. I mean, but I would do it if I was in like those places in their channel, yeah. where they sell it on the street. I'll try it. Yeah, just for the because I heard about did you hear about crickets? I was like full of protein.
1: Oh wow! Yeah, it's
0: like it's got the same like if you have if you have if you have crickets like the amount of protein is like having this, like a protein shake.
1: Oh wow! Uh-oh. Maybe I'd try cricket,
0: then. India, where else? intrepid... What was so, so What so was in South America? Because, man, when I think of South America, I think of the meat, the food.
1: Yeah, we where do we start off? We started off in Brazil, and we went to the big um, water the... waterfalls. Oh. Um, that that kind of borders uh, Brazil and Argentina, and I think it's Paraguay. Hmm. So we went down there. We started down there, but yeah, the meat. We ate llama actually. That's what we ate there. Mm-hmm. In Bolivia, we ate llama. And um, just, yeah, just the food. I just love food. <laughs> it was it, fine. I liked yeah. llama. It tasted a little bit gamey, but oh it yeah, tastes yeah, like meat. Yeah. So, yeah. How was Brazil? was that? We didn't really stay there oh, okay. that long. We stayed, we flew to um, Sao Paulo. Yeah. Um, and we were only there for a little while, Um to be honest, I didn't really like mm. Sao Paulo. It felt really kind of lawless. I always felt like oh, I was yeah. watching my back, yeah. Yeah. sort of, uh, you know, someone coming to take something from me. It was probably just I shouldn't have found that way, but that's just what it felt like.
2: Mm.
1: And there were always so many people, and then just the noise. Like, yeah, yeah, it was kind of kind kind of scary. Probably weren't at the safest places either. We were at the big bus station. Yeah where I think most people said to stay away from. It's <laughs> like, yep, there, there we go. <laughs> go. Yeah, I think you
0: have every reason to be worried that it's yeah. one of those countries that's got a lot of crime. Yeah, like that, yeah.
1: Of... Just being in the wrong place at the mm. wrong time, I think mm. that's all I was worried about. Um, and... Did, you
0: make it to the... Did you make it to any beaches?
1: No, we didn't uh, go to any beaches. We went to Sao Paulo because it was the closest to cross the border. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Into Argentina and go and see the... Um, the waterfalls—that was the main reason we we went oh, there. Okay. The Iguasu waterfalls.
0: Iguazu. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. So we went down there, and then we travelled up. Oh, Argentina. sorry. What, what's
0: what's good about the those waterfalls? Just how big it is. I I yeah,
1: think. yeah. It has like a devil's um drop. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one of those things that you see in a picture, and you you think, yeah, I want to go there. I oh, want to yeah. go there one day. And then, um yeah, when you get there, you're just like, wow, this mm-hmm. place goes on forever. Like, just waterfall just went across everywhere, just everywhere you could see. Yeah, I wonder,
0: in, I wonder if it's been in, movies, a oh, like, um, wonder if it's
1: has... been in movies movie
0: like Niagara Falls Oh yeah, yeah. Have you guys
1: been there? No, we we haven't been to Niagara Falls. No, Yeah, I don't know why we never went there but Iguasu Falls was the one we we really wanted to check out. Mm. So it looks like it looks kind of like just a, just like the world is ending, <laughs> kind of like that's what it looks like. Oh wow! It's crazy. Um, yeah, this is the only phone I have that has credit on it. <laughs>
0: so what's that angle we're looking at? Is that from a helicopter? Or...
1: Yeah, from the top looking down because it borders, yeah, Argentina and Brazil on this side. Mm. So you have to, if you want to view the other side of the waterfall, mm. we had to cross over the border. Oh, okay. So we, we viewed it from the Brazilian side, and then we crossed over the border to go into Argentina, and then we viewed it from that side. Argentina was like, wow, just it looks crazy. Like that's how far that's how long it goes for. You have to cross a border to see the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was-
0: So we are in a standing position when you see it. You can't see it from that angle. You gotta. You're down.
1: Yeah. So oh, okay. I think it was the <clears throat> Argentinian side. You're kind of down looking up. And you're you're like right next to where the waterfall water drops in, and mm-hmm. then if you go around to the other side, it's kind of you're kind of a little bit higher, and you just all around you is the water like the waterfall coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: So, how do you is there like a a border control at that place? So when you go, for, yeah, no, yeah.
1: So you had to cross the border. So I had like I think we crossed a few times. So. Um, so we um, crossed over a few times. So I had like, because you had to get a stamp going in and then a stamp coming back out. Mm-hmm. So even though we just, had just crossed the border over two countries, I think I had like eight stamps in my passport from just going, going to see it. Forth. Yeah, going back and forth. Yeah, yeah it was pretty fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, I, I wish I had more information for you.
0: Because it looks like it's going in, in the ground. Oh.
1: Yeah. It looks like there's just, like, that's where the it's world ends. And it's yeah. yeah. That's where it goes in. Highly recommended if anyone's going to South America. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a place to go. So
0: after that, where did you guys go?
1: Uh, after that, we went through Argentina and we worked our way up to Bolivia. We went to the um, salt flats. So I had never heard of them until we had, were planning this trip. But the salt flats, uh, it's like a salt desert. But um, oh. instead of sand, it's just salt. Oh. So it's completely white. And just like, you know, when you go to the snow, you can get blinded by it from the, you know, the sun reflecting mm. off it. So it was crazy. So it was just like white everywhere and then pink flamingos. So pink flamingos <laughs> were like in the water on the side uh. of, yeah, where the desert ended. It just, it was insane. Mm. It was really cool. Yeah, U- Ujuni, I think it's called. Ujuni. U-Y-U-N-I, Ujuni. Ujuni. Yeah, in Bolivia. Salt Flats.
0: So was that the trip, just you know, Argentina, Bolivia, and then you guys went?
1: Uh, and then we, because we had, what we was were the... pretty much just traveling uh, by bus mm-hmm. and by train, um, and then we went up to Peru, so we went oh, to okay. Machu Picchu.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. one of the places a few of the boys are keen to go see. Yeah. Did you see, did you feel any like spiritual awakening? Like what they say when you're up there at the top?
1: It, it felt very surreal. Like, um, yeah, I guess it, yeah, I guess it did feel spiritual. It kind of felt like, wow, we're here, you know, like just the, the same kind of thing. You see something in a book or you see something on the internet, but actually being there physically. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Did the kids go? No, they, that was before the kids, Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, how long was the climb? We didn't climb, we cheated. Uh, oh. Like I said, I um, had research <laughs> and oh. I found that travel blog yeah. that I didn't have to go, didn't have to do what everyone else was doing. Um, I could take the local bus from a place called Olliantumbo and I could we could go around, go to there and uh, then come across. So oh, that's, okay. that's, what, that's what we did. Yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so cheetah, cheetah. cheetah. <laughs> but yeah. Not sad about it. I think it saved me like, I don't know, 150 American dollars. Just because if you take the train and then take the trek, they charge you so much because you're a tourist. Oh, okay. But yeah. I, um, yeah, I had researched and I saw that you could t- just take the local bus. Mm. The, the local bus was the scariest thing I've ever been on in my life.
0: Was it one of those buses that go along the cliff? Yes.
1: And so, And it's just a sheer drop. Yeah. Oh, and shit. the way that other people come around and drive yeah. – like just they just fly around the corner i was like please don't let us die <laughs> please don't let us die like there's I, no barrier on the there's no barrier wow. there was nothing and uh yeah it was pretty nerve-wracking but it was i think a dollar fifty american or something to get go on this bus to get us all the way up to where we yeah. needed to be so it's like local people do it i can do it
0: i remember because that there's a there's a the, this girl I work with, she catches the bus from um, North Shore. Yeah, and um, they have those double decker buses. Yeah, and you know, had that truck got blown into the bridge. Yeah, and crashed into the bridge, and um, because of the wind, I uh, can imagine the double decker bus on the edge of that wind. I know. <laughs> nah. That
1: would have been so scary, but yeah.
0: So would um, South America be your favorite, one of your favorite places?
1: Um, yeah. It's funny, I judge places on not just, like, the places that we visited, but the people and the food. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think because of the language barrier, we couldn't really talk to a lot of people. We talked to a few people, but not not really a lot of people. Um, We met a Korean guy on the way. Oh, (laughs) yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, the the people that you meet along the way are pretty cool. Yeah. An Argentinian guy who pretty much was our translator. Like, we just met him on the train and then, yeah, hung out with him. So... For me, yeah, it is. It's the people that you meet, the the food that mm-hmm. you eat, which is important to me, and not just the place. So probably not my favourite place. I think my favourite place would probably be Italy. I really oh, yeah. loved Italy. Um, the food, the people, yeah, the culture. Gelato. Yeah, yeah. Did <laughs> I say more? <laughs> <laughs> just... Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I, I really like Italy.
0: You know, the Italian culture really interests me, Because, eh? yeah. man, I think they're similar to the Salmon culture.
1: It is. See, I'm traveling the, around the world and all I can think is that's just like, that, we do that now, culture. that We do that, yeah.
0: That's you know all I'm doing. Do you know where I recognize that from? Where? From From the Godfather movies. <laughs> because they, Italians are really family-oriented, yes. just like us. Yeah. The similarities between our culture and their culture—they're real family oriented. They're just like us. Like, they really—they have that village mentality. Yeah, because those villages over there—if you think about those places—they live in all their families live in the village, so they have their own. So everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows their family, extended family. That's why they keep their trees, you know, intact. I mean, not intact, but they keep them close. So everybody knows that your uncle, blah blah blah. Yeah, second cousin, third cousin. They're real close like that. Yeah, But they treat it like they're really, that's really their culture, their family.
1: Yeah, and they are so welcoming, yeah. They Mm -hmm. are very, they're just so welcoming of whoever gets brought into that circle, like, and you are really privileged to be in that. Like, we were lucky Greg's brother was living there at the time, and um, we were pretty much just kind of brought into their circle, and that just opened up the circle for us, like, because we were visiting them, it was just kind of straight away, your family, what do you need? What, what can we get you? It did. It just felt like we were in the Samoan culture. It's like, that's what we do in Like That's yeah. what we do in our culture. <laughs> oh, hi, nice to meet you. Okay, do you need anything? Yeah. You know, And that's exactly what it was. It was just, do you need anything? Can we get you something? And then even when we didn't need anything or we didn't want for anything, we were given something. Because KJ, we had KJ at the time, and I think he was like one and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, just toys for KJ. Because we had a son, and he was there with us, and you know we're on holiday, and yeah, it was toys. The next time, you know, this guy came and he's just like, "Yep, these are for KJ and these are for you." And that's that was just that's just the mentality once you're brought into that circle. Yeah, it was just so cool. So whereabouts did they stay? Uh, they stayed in Rome. So, oh, okay. um I think. Greg's brother was working for the UN at the time, so. Um, yeah, we were just brought into their circle, and it was just so cool. Mm. Yeah, just amazing. Like, just how how nice they are. Like, just like, oh, yeah, come on in. It's all right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, is that how pasta is supposed to taste like over there?
1: Oh, my gosh. I bought so much pasta when I left there. Like, just the fresh pasta, and, um, yeah, it's just it's so good. Yeah, I ate pasta, I ate pizza. I, I didn't really, like the pizza is kind of, the traditional one is kind of thin and, you know, has a lot of meat and, like, not lots of meat, but not as much cheese as we do here.
0: Because <laughs> like, I always thought pizza comes from New York, the New York, um, the American Italians invented pizza. Yeah, That's yeah. That's what I always thought.
1: Yeah, maybe. They did have pizza there, but it wasn't my idea of pizza. Like, mm. it was, yeah, what what they had. So, yeah. But it, no, it was nice, like I I must admit. And yeah, gelato was like my best friend. It was just like gelato stores.
0: So the, the European trip, was that a whole different trip?
1: Uh, yeah, that how, was... How long did that take to do? The European trip, I think we were gone maybe for a month as well. Yeah, it was probably a month because we um, squeezed in uh, Italy and Egypt and... Um, Where else did we go? Um, Hungary. And um, Czech, uh, Prague. We went to Prague. So we went when it was um, Christmas time because I wanted to go to the Christmas markets and Germany as well. That's right. We squeezed in Germany. (coughs) Yeah. So it was nice. Just like because the train, you can get anywhere on the train. And um, we were kind of staying with family. So That's my other hint and tip for traveling. Stay with your family.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> make friends. Stay with your friends. <laughs> cuts out the accommodation cost. And then, yeah, if you've got kids, babysitters. <laughs>
0: you know, because you know, since we're talking about food, I just want to go back to Japan. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of good, nice dishes they have over there. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned Japanese people being pedantic about things. Food was probably one of the biggest yes. ones they're serious about now. Yeah. So when you when you compare f- uh, the Japanese food they sell here, I think they're mostly from made by Koreans. Korea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even that's interesting because I don't know why because Korean food is nice. I don't know why they can't make Korean food like Korean barbecues was one of my favorites. Yeah. Like, and I think they're they're they mostly all in in downtown the Korean barbecue places. Yeah. Man, I love them.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe there's too many Korean barbecues, or just there's not. A lot of you know Japanese sushi places mm. so I guess they see a gap in a market and they try and fill it and they d- do fill it pretty well so um,
0: so yeah when you compare that food
1: to yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not, it. not no I can't and uh, I think I'm allowed to be a snob about it because I you know lived in Japan for sure. so long yeah. just um, yeah it's just not the same yeah, not exactly the same. It, it comes close, but it yeah, just something is missing. Yeah, um, so, yeah especially so your... sushi. Sushi yeah. for me is like I yeah.
0: Was that your go-to sushi?
1: Yeah, we would eat sushi at least like once a week. So yeah. it's just yeah, it's just done really well. And even in the supermarkets, when they cut up the sashimi or the raw fish meat, it's just done so well, and you can you know, it's just accessible everywhere. So I, I wouldn't even have to cook. Like, I'd just go buy the sashimi meat, bring it home. We'd eat that, like, with rice or miso soup or something else. Uh, yeah, I do miss that. And it's affordable. Yeah. That's the one thing I miss. It's so affordable there. It's so affordable. To, you could eat out, like, two or three times a week because, yeah, it was cheap. Like, we could go to sushi for a family of five and spend, what, $30 and that, and that was us done, mm. you know, that, that was that was dinner for one night, you know, eating sushi for 30, five, five people for $30, just,
2: mm.
1: yeah. And even just going out for a meal is cheap. Like, yeah, I, I must admit, we went out for a meal. With, I went out with Dad uh, and we took the kids and we ate and then I went to pay the bill and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> Just like how much? Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty um, pretty intense thing. Eh? It's pretty expensive, yeah. Yeah, just the prices mm. and, and it in terms of what you get, like mm. us yeah.
0: And and and, bec- and because you've spent all that time in Japan and it's you know, so affordable, coming back yeah. is like a shock to the system.
1: Yeah, that's very right. okay, everybody, stay home. Here's <laughs> your sandwich for today and one for tomorrow. Yeah. How do you how do
0: you how do you, what, what what do you think that about that? Um like you know, a lot of people are saying like you know, if you can afford to live in Auckland, you can afford to live in anywhere in the world. I mean, that's the same new saying coming out right now. It's it's so it's, expensive here. Eh? And the house prices.
1: It's insane. Um, I, I I do definitely believe that. I think Auckland prices in terms of just living prices, even renting, or um, yeah, even owning a home, is probably on par with Tokyo. Um, Oh, okay. That's how crazy it is. Um, Yeah, we could, in Japan, when we were looking, you could still buy a house for about $300,000, New Zealand dollars, in Japan, like a nice home. Um, In your area? Yeah, in in our area. And and most kind of like areas that are not part of the main city but kind of out Mm -hmm. in the burbs sort of thing, you wouldn't need a whole heap of money you wouldn't need a million dollars like you do here yeah. yeah um and the rent is insane like yeah we we were lucky we rented off our friend so um our rent pretty much didn't change for the whole time we were there um but what people pay here in a week is probably what we were paying in a month
2: sure.
1: so it's a yeah it's it's a big big difference and yeah, I understand it's Auckland, but I think even in even in the regions, it's not too too much different. Mm, mm. Like
0: because that's what if you compare it to well, uh, like Tokyo to your town, yeah. To where you compare we it to, were, uh, Auckland to like maybe somewhere in so, or uh, Dunedin, up or in Kaitaia. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and I guess you gotta just if you're there, you still gonna get paid, and just go with whatever's a, the restaurants in the area. Yeah, like just live off that. But man. <coughs> Does that give you sort of was that um reasons why another reason why it took so long to come back? Just that I uh, mean, because you would have come back for holiday and saw how much things were around here.
1: yeah, I think we we weren't coming home enough in terms of knowing just how big the jumps had gotten, mm-hmm. because when we left here, um, Auckland was a cheap place, you know, seventeen years ago. This is where we wanted to come back to. Like, we were going overseas to make money, see the world, and come back to here, knowing that this was the cheapest place to live. But yeah, it's just been totally turned. Um, and yet now here is more expensive than there, that, than Japan. So yeah, it was interesting to see. But um, yeah, what can you do?
0: So, so now you're back, you've, you've started work yes. at, at a school
1: we weren't just coming home for the money, it was more the lifestyle change, and I guess we anticipated problems. Uh, In terms of weighing up the pros and cons, this is where we wanted to be at this time. Um, Yeah, uh, I don't know how Aucklanders do it, but I must admit, coming home and having that community feel that you have here, and just that people, you know, that, that part of our culture that is, yeah, people will take care of you, and you know, th- there is someone out there to help you um, get where you need to be or help you, you know, do what you need to do, sort of thing. I mean, and that's kind of um, the other reason why I've come back, uh, because you don't always have that in Japan. like, and I think that is definitely specific to here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I think I think it's going to be tough, but I think we will, yeah. Get around it and accept the challenge. Yeah, accept the challenge. I've I've also kept some of my Japanese students. I t- still teach them on online. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that will help my <laughs> income a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, in terms of being surviving here.
0: <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, in terms of like um, other forms of income, like I think that's the way. You have to do it these days. You know? Yes,
1: you, you, you do. Like,
0: like working for the man isn't good enough anymore. No. Not like the old days. No. I mean, remember, remember back in the days, like our parents, you could have one person working and we'd still be a fine. I remember my old man, he got made redundant and yeah. stayed home those times. And it was just my mum that was working. We were like in primary school then.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. We'd you make had... it
1: work. What would it, If you want it to work.
0: I know, but the New Zealand economy was strong. Yeah, still. Yeah, that's so true. Families could afford to live on one income and still have the the bowl of roast every Sunday. Yeah. You know, you still true. get your toys for birthdays. You still get you still get get to go. There was nothing you couldn't afford. Yeah. At that time in the in the eighties, but now it's like we can't. I don't think we can go back to that anymore. Like you know, back then it was like now oh, there's another class now. You know, there, there's the working there's the working poor. Yeah. You can have you can have parents both parents working and you're still poor. Yeah. It's like what the fuck. You know, and but that's not nothing new. That's been around now yeah. for the last maybe what seven, eight years yeah. No. For me, I work full time, but even though you know, it's still it's still hard. You know. Yeah,
1: and that I think that's the the thing I have noticed is um, yeah, it is it is hard, and uh, people <coughs> are working. You know, to stay afloat, but uh, just that community like that community feel of you know where you live and you, and your family and you know that kind of is a balance now that that's that's had to come up because of because of the effects of the economy and things like that yeah just being here and being able to see that kind of stuff like your family helping you out or your mates helping you out or you know that just that sense of you know if i've got something i'm going to share it with you if you've got something you know they share it with me just that sense of community is, is, is pretty cool.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, and I think that that is kind of how people are surviving now. Like, you know, being able to do that, that um, is just how people have to survive. Like, I think I'm privileged in terms of having lived and worked overseas and being able to bring my work back here and and keep some of my students, you know, to keep us afloat a little bit, um, as well as working. Um but yeah, just in terms of the community feel, I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that for anything. Like
0: Because that the other challenge you guys have is, is your kids. Yes. Because your kids have been born your kids were born in Japan. Yeah, Born and, and raised. Born and raised in Japan. And how old is KJ now? Ten. Ten. So ten years. And he's only he's been he's only lived in New Zealand, lived properly lived in New Zealand for the last two months. Yeah. And it was ten years. Yeah. So even that is a challenge. I mean,
1: it is. It is a big challenge. What yep. have
0: you seen over the two months? Because they are they. at... Um, what, are they? Are they? Are yeah, they, are they,
1: they at your school? school? Yeah. Okay. Uh, n- no, not the school that I'm working at, but they're they're at the school that I went to. Oh well, we went to when yep. we were kids. Away brown. Yep. Yep. So um, for me, it, it does go back to that community thing because I know people in the school. Um, And we're just so privileged to come back and be able to go to that school. Mm -hmm. And they're just helping out so much in terms of um, ESOL resources, uh, giving me ideas on helping them to transition because my kids only read and write in Japanese. Mm. Um, So it's been a bit of a challenge, like trying to help them. Um, But yeah, they love it. They, yeah, they just, in terms of no homework... Yeah. Because at their school, it was homework every day, and it was usually home, they were doing their homework till about dinner time. Mm-hmm. And then, if it wasn't finished, they'd eat dinner and they'd finish their homework after that. So, were they doing the
0: online like, learning because of COVID? Um, Level three?
1: No, uh, we, the school was closed, so mm-hmm. the school had closed down. We, they didn't really have online learning, but they were given like worksheets and a program that they needed to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what they were doing. Um, but, yeah, they, they just that transition from reading and writing in Japanese to reading and writing in English is, is a bit of a challenge. They still, of course, favor the Japanese. So when they're writing a note to me or I ask them to write in their journal, it's usually Japanese that will oh, come wow. out. Um, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a...
0: Yeah. Yeah, because your kids are beautiful and, like, for them to just write in Japanese, it's like weird, weird to me, <laughs> but yeah, nah, but it's cool, it's cool because you know, obviously, you know, they're brought up there, yeah. But man, this must be for me, it's interesting because identity, yeah. I mean, what do they identify themselves as coming c- c- now coming back to their home, yeah? They haven't been here,
1: that's right, you know, yeah.
0: that's man, I can't imagine what goes on in their heads, yeah, it's... or what the process is and how. And how are you and Greg are going to, like, deal with it or, yeah. you know, like, help them, help them to transition? Right, yeah. Because it is, That's amazing that they are in Japanese, just yeah. first, and, first and foremost, you know? Yeah. It's amazing they talk Japanese, they can speak Japanese, yeah. huh?
1: That's right. So they, yeah, it's funny, they, they've probably um, transitioned a lot better than I have, and I think being kids, <laughs> really? they, they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they just because oh,
0: they don't have deal with the presses around and stuff. yeah
1: yeah that i have to deal with what i have to deal with but yeah in terms of like going into the school and making friends and settling in yeah they've done really well like they'll come home and they'll you know be telling me something like Mum, do you know what this is this means this and mouldy. can you count to 10 in Maldi? like you know they just they just embrace everything that's given to them anyway so they're yeah, And they can recognize the similarities because they're like, do you know this This word sounds like this in Japanese, doesn't it, Mum? And I was like, yeah, it does. It does, actually. You know, um, yeah. So for me, they're probably transitioning better than me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just kind of a trial and error, kind of go with the flow, see how they go, see how we go. Um, yeah, but probably the, the biggest challenge is um, getting them to read and write in English oh, okay. yeah. but being around it helps Yeah, because you know they start to see signs and they're like oh, mum that's a toy shop or mm-hmm. you know like they because they they really don't they a lot of the words are like foreign like yeah just with Maya she's like that's his toy world <laughs> you know like they're just starting to read and things are, are starting to come together for them
0: you know what else is interesting about that? They know how to speak English fluently. Yeah. And they can't recognize English words. No. Man, that is crazy.
1: Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's cool, but crazy cool. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, out of it. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: Because it does, yeah, it just, I guess for me, it was probably the reverse of what I felt when I went to Japan. And I couldn't read anything. Like, I was just like, what is that place? Like, yeah. should I go in there? I don't, don't even know. You are know, trying to look through the window, what is it, sort of thing. And now maybe that's what it was like for them when we would come here to visit. Yeah. And now they're, you know, they're able to read English, like, properly. And they're just like, I know what that is. I know what that says. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Are the kids'
0: willingness to learn, does that come from the um, testament? Is that a testament to how the kids in Japan are with, with, at school? Um, like, they're always, like, hard out at school. Yeah. I 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pretty close, but... Uh, so that was find it too easy over here,
0: then,
2: like...
1: They do. Damn. That's one thing um, that I found when they first started school and I enrolled them and they were, they were going to school, uh, they were getting up at, like, 6.30 because they thought that that's what time they needed to get up because they would usually leave our place, even though we lived close to the school, about 7.30, mm-hmm. to get to school, and school would start, you know, just after 8.00. About quarter past eight, the actual classes would start, and then um, Maya wouldn't be home until four, between three thirty and four, and KJ wouldn't come home till about five. So, oh, no. you know, the it was staggered in terms of what grade you were at, and then that's how long you would have to stay at school. Mm. So, yeah, they they just think it's a breeze. They're just like, what three o'clock? <laughs> what school starts at eight uh, <laughs> fifty-five? You know, yeah. what there's no homework. You know, there's just well, there's English homework, but there's no kanji homework. Like they would have to learn different kanji every week. What's kanji? kanji is like uh, Japanese has three writing styles: hiragana and katakana, which is like the alphabet, mm. and then ka- kanji is like the Chinese characters that they have to know what it means to be able to read a word. Okay. So um, kids usually have to learn like 150 and like one year and then you know the next year so many so every week they would have to bring some home and they'd be writing them and reading them and practicing them so they knew how to read them there's different ways to read them as well so that's what would take up a lot of their time in terms of study being able to read the kanji and math is the other one it was always kanji writing and reading and math Mm -hmm. so i mean kj was in class and his Teacher gave me a advanced mathematics book for him, cause she's like, just see how far he can go in this book. And Cage is like, I did this when I was second grade, mum.
2: Yeah,
1: like, yeah. Okay, just like just do what the teachers asked and see how far he can go in this book. Like, but they do, they teach him pretty quick there in terms mm-hmm. of um, math and science and yeah. things like that. So he, yeah, he he was coming home going, I'm the smartest in my in my class for math, mum. I was like, okay, good for you. Good on you.
0: So so you know, you're coming back being a teacher again, um the um is it a lot for you to catch up on with the curriculum, New Zealand curriculum?
1: Yes, because there's a lot of blended learning now. And in Japan, even though like leaders in technology and all that jazz, um like we had smart boards and things that we could use for teaching, but a lot of it was still kids not like they would never be on devices. Like, they could use a computer room. They could have a laptop, um, but not the same way that it is here. Like, I find there, like, with kids having Chromebooks and things like that, um, it wasn't as advanced as that when I was teaching in high school. Um, And I remember teaching in junior high school and some kids not even knowing how to make a Microsoft Word document. Like, that's – they would teach them old school, until up, up until a certain point and then they'd let them go sort of thing so um yeah being being here it is it is definitely an eye-opener like they do use a lot of blended learning and they are able to be like on their chromebooks or on their devices to do different programs and and um yeah in japan it was still kind of traditional in that it was teacher student i'm the instructor you do what i what I say, sort of thing, like that kind of one-way street. Yeah. Yeah. So I, w- I must admit I, I was a bit worried about if the skills that I have, having taught there for so long, would still translate here in New Zealand. Because there I'm teaching like robots, really. They already know what to do. They know what's expected of them. They know the standard. I'm kind of just like an instructor Right, So I'm just kind of explaining things that they need to do, what they need to do to do it, and then they do it. But in New Zealand, it's kind of everybody is an individual. And you teachers are catering to each individual, right? It's mm-hmm. student-centered learning.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, I just felt in Japan it was very much blah, blah, blah. I just kind of instruct what is done, lead the class, and they know what to do. So yeah, it's definitely going to be a <laughs> challenge. But yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it'll be interesting. Interesting to see what skills translate over and what don't.
0: How do you feel about that? Different ways of learning, because you know we talked about how Japan's a real strong, has a real strong culture. You know, you are where you are. Yeah. So it, it's obvious that they're robots that you can teach that certain way. Yeah. Whereas here, I think over here they've sort of changed over the years. They've changed, like you said, like individual. Yeah. They treat kids as individual. There's So many different ways to teach a kid and some kids don't um you know they respond to different different ways yeah and that's probably the new thing you have to yeah like recognize now like um man it's like in terms of your kids like coming from them coming from japan coming here that they have to be they have to um figure out that they're uh, individual now?
1: I think um, they do. And I, I do think uh, KJ struggles with that okay. a bit um. because um, he has been in the Japanese system the longest. And they started from a very young age in terms of um, this is what you're supposed to do, this is how you're supposed to do it. Uh, I still remember getting told off for peeling a mandarin the wrong way because they were taught a particular way in their school, mm. this is how you're supposed to do it. And I'm just, like, peeling the skin off and throwing my... I'm like, Mum, what are you doing? That's not how you do it. That is not the right way. And I'm like, there's a right way to peel a mandarin, really? Mm. And, you know, i just let them show me, and they'd show me how they were taught, and this is the way you're supposed to do it. It makes less mess, and it's, you know, whatever. Mm. I was just like, okay, that's cool. And I think he has had that kind of mentality uh, drilled into him the most in terms of there's a certain way to do things and this is how you do it. And um, not don't question the teacher, but just kind of you're you're instructed by your teacher and that's kind of what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do remember him also saying about the rules, Mum, you can't ride a skateboard because on my school rules it says I'm not allowed to do that. And I'm like, okay. Maybe it's for kids whose, you know, parents aren't there when they're riding a skateboard, they're going to fall off. But I'm here, so you can ride the skateboard. You know, like, just that kind of black and white. That's what they're taught. Um, This is what what you're allowed to do. This is what you're not allowed to do. And it it is very black and white for them. So I think he Mm -hmm. does struggle a little bit in terms of knowing where that line is here and with, with teachers here and with people here. Like, yeah. But the girls... They're
0: fine, oh, yeah, because they're young, and you know,
1: they, yeah, they're young, they and get into
0: it straight away, yeah,
1: yeah, a little bit more catered to, I think. Mm. Um, when they were in Japan, but KJ loved he, he would tell everybody, oh, I'm Japanese, I was born, and you yeah. know, and he was born where we lived, and he would tell everybody, and you know, that's just the way people would, re- would receive him. He was just like he was foreign, but he was Japanese, like, and he, I think. Going back to that identity thing that you were talking about, he, he really did believe it. Like he I think he still does. Like and he says to people when um we meet them that he's uh he's a Kiwi, he's Samoan, and he's Japanese. Yeah. Like that that's and, and, and I mean more power to him, that's what he believes he is, so that yeah. you know, that's what he is. That that is what he is.
0: Yeah, that's the truth.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we did go to the World Cup, yeah. but just, like, live sporting events in Japan, like, they're just so awesome, like, baseball uh, was real cool. But,
0: oh, because Dad and, and your other brother went
1: Yeah, um, came to
0: Japan to go, to go to the World Cup.
1: Oh, the World Cup was just, yeah, just <coughs> my brother and Norburn, mm. like, his daughter. Mm. Uh, Dad and Mum had come, like, years back. They had come together. But yeah, for the Rugby World Cup, they came over and yeah, it was just cool. Went to the All Blacks game, um, went to see the games that were just, you know, locally by us, and we went to a semi final. So yeah, it was cool. It was like really cool. But Japanese people are like really reserved. So I probably was the loudest one there, like yelling, like when we had our local one. Yeah. It, it was just kind of what are you doing? Like. <laughs> You got these tickets, at least yell. Come on, yeah. But yeah, they're just like reserved, and it was funny. They were more people watching the other foreigners that had come to come to watch the game. Like, oh, well, yeah, that's what you do, but they would just sit there quietly and watch. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty funny because even, yeah, even Clive Labe, my brother, was yeah. saying, well, well, why aren't they, why are they so quiet? Mm. And he's like, Yeah, let's go, let's go. Yeah, just they just don't. Yeah. Well, they they're,
0: they're, they're pretty rally when Japan beat um South Africa that other time.
1: Yes, yes, they were. Yeah, that's right. I think um and a lot of those bigger games are usually held like in uh Tokyo or Osaka or somewhere like that. Um so those I think, I feel like those crowds are a little different to like uh, where yeah, we lived yeah. and, you know, like the countryside. Yeah. So they were kind of more like quiet and reserved. Mm. But yeah. No. <laughs> and baseball too, like they love their baseball. Oh yeah. Is K J playing sports? Uh KJ was uh playing soccer and then he was doing kickboxing. So he was doing kickboxing with, with his dad. Yeah, with Greek.
0: Yeah, man, I've got to get that guy on.
1: Yes, yes. He's oh, actually what time is it? He's probably fighting right now. He has a fight oh, is he? today. Yeah.
0: So what's what is that competition? Is that just a local competition?
1: Um no, he did fight uh, in Tokyo, and he got a belt for that. So he made me – I have that belt, actually. Uh, it was one of the things I was I was told to bring home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he it, – it's not just the local competitions he has for outside of our area. Um, but, yeah, he – I don't know if you know Bob Sapp, but Bob Sapp is like this uh, African-American guy. He's, he's ex-NFL um, pro wrestler, American pro wrestler, and he's really big in Japan. And anyway, he came down to fight um, in our area, and Greg uh, was one of the fights before it. Mm. So he was he was fighting um, some other guy, uh, but yeah, but for for us, that was big. Like you know, this big name guy and. In um, Japan, was coming down to our little town to fight, and Greek was more like one of the fights before it. Where yeah. Just, yeah, it was just pretty cool. Yeah. So it's kickboxing, mate. Eh? Um, he does kickboxing and he does MMA, so oh, he does wow. both.
0: MMA, damn! Any plans to go all the way to <laughs>
1: make it to the UFC? <laughs> yeah. <I> don't, <laughs> don't know. I might do, but maybe, maybe not. Like, I, I'd like him to stop, but he, yeah, oh, it's yeah, just he, how loves he, it, eh? he loves it. He loves it. Can't you, mm. you can't stop that, like yeah he loves it and um i watched I watched one of his fights on
0: um Facebook,
1: I think he put it on, oh yeah yeah yeah, m- yeah, maybe he did have one on there, but he he just loves that, and he loves what the training does, i guess for him, like mentally and being able mm. to keep in shape, and then you know just that having a goal, i guess, so this is he just he sent me this picture, he had made his weight, so um oh, wow. because uh he's big bigger over there he c- can only usually he has to drop down under 80 kgs oh. or he has to fight the like 100 kg guys like they're kind of his weight but the height, uh, class <laughs> is kind of non-existent really he's usually trying to lose weight to get down so he had to get down to i think it was 79 kgs to mm. be able to fight the guy that he's probably fighting right now yeah but no, he loves it. He loves he loves just that aspect of the sport. Like it's on him, and he's the one who can change everything. You know, like that. Just that kind of mentality is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I'd love to have him on when he comes back. Yeah. I'm. Um,
1: I'm sure he would love to come on.
0: Yeah, I'd love to um, find out what how he's, he's going to continue on with his fighting over here in New Zealand.
1: Yeah. In yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'd like. I'd like to see him do that you know if that's what he wants to do but I'd really like to see him like kind of open a gym Yeah, yeah um yeah for for youth really uh to give them something to do I think that's the other thing I notice here that's that's kind of missing is just you know those places that you can go to hang out and you know exercise and you know not just get um, that kind of information but you know get information how to take care of yourself nutritionally like yeah just that holistic approach to it, mm. just well-being really it's well-being yeah
0: don't give away that secret too much because someone might take it
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't take my idea <laughs> don't take my idea for my husband
0: no awesome because uh, man thanks for coming on
1: yeah Come on, no class. you're welcome thanks for having no. me on
0: oh is there anything else we can talk about or? That was pretty much it.
1: Yeah, it was just well, pretty much well, that was it.
0: That was a, that was all I wanted to know anyway.
1: Yeah, I just um was more yeah, uh, interested or, or just wanting to say that um yeah, Pacifica people need to get out there in the world and pretty much see it for yourself, experience for yourself. Yeah. And
0: I think yeah. We've got more Pacific people in in schools now teaching, yeah, I think it's their responsibility to get that for the kids, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to come back is just that you know, give back to your community, give back to you know where you've come from, and just instill in those students, you know what yeah. that fight that you had for yourself, you know and someone else because mm. and, and just proof that you can do it you can do whatever you want you can get there if you you know you you keep pushing yourself and you keep yourself on the right track and and just having role models really like I think that's was kind of a little bit lacking when we were growing up Mm. as we didn't have that out there like um to be able to think oh no I can do that you know sort of thing we just kind of made our way through as best we could Mm. um blind sometimes even Blind
0: is exactly right. what it was for me. Yeah, I mean, not just taking things day by day. Yeah, in the way it was. Yeah, you sort yes. of had like university in mind at the end.
1: Yeah,
0: and then job, and that was probably yep. it. Yeah, but there's more to it than that. That's, that's right. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And with this day and age of internet, of what you can learn online, yes, what you can learn on your own, and yeah, go ahead and do it. Yes. Like it's, man, it's like worse now. Than yeah. before. <laughs> That's right Because I mean, the is... challenge the cha- there's more challenges that you can take yeah. out there now than there were ever before. Yeah. That you could do on your own. Like for
2: instance
0: this podcast. was yeah. like, you know, created out of nothing. Yes. You know, out of this is just a garage, you know? Yeah.
1: And
0: it's and it's out there in the world.
1: Yeah. And, and, it...
0: and it could have become become something, I don't know. But it's something I we enjoy doing. I enjoy yeah. doing and learning off people. Yeah. especially our own people, our Pacifica right. people getting their stories out and, and,
1: and bringing them together, I think that's yeah. the most important thing like just seeing what you're doing is yeah it is just Pacifica people coming together and doing what they do like this is just what we do and you're just creating a network that will build and it will build even bigger than it is now So, and it just inspires people and gives other people ideas. Mm-hmm. But please don't take my idea about the <laughs> gym and them. Um, yeah, that's my one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, thanks for coming. No. Love you. No worries. Love you, too Thanks, Cans. Oh. How was that was it. That was cool. Did you
2: it? Yeah. I hello, could talk hello, for hello. ages, though.